Welcome to Stories of Scotland, a podcast where I, Jenny, and I, Annie, take a winding path through the history of Scotland to find stories which have fallen by the wayside of the motorway of time. And I hope you have your wellies on, Jenny, because this week we are knee deep in a muddy field in Aberdeenshire and tugging on the tail of a very special coup. I always record in my wellies, Annie. My podcasting wellies and my lucky podcasting pants. Perfect attire for tail tugging. Yes, well, having grown up on a farm, Jenny, I do think you need more clothes before <laughs> we let you anywhere near our livestock. Anyway, this is the tale of the Taraku, and it begins way back in 1911. Oh, the poor cow. How many people have tugged its tail that it's that long? <laughs> so... The story of the Taraku begins in 1911, Jenny. Well then, let me put on my time travel trousers and let's tug this tail. I hope you're not in a silly mood, Jenny, because this is a very serious coup. I've got 25 accents ready for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Onwards! So this is a story of resistance, community and inciting change, and it takes place in a rural town in Aberdeenshire called Turriff. Or, as the locals more commonly call it, Tara. This is the Doric for the name of the town. Doric is the northeastern variation of the Scots language, which is, alongside Gaelic, an indigenous language of Scotland. It is most commonly spoken in the Aberdeenshire area, and the wee town of Tara is deep in this Doric-speaking region. Yes, that's one of the things I love about the Scots language, is that you get so many regional variations of it that sound so completely different. And back to Tariff, it currently has a population of about 5,000 people, but the 1911 census shows the population was recorded to be about 2,346 people back then. About? Or exactly. (laughs) Precisely, Jenny. (laughs) The census does not mess around. Mm -mm. (laughs) But seriously, those people are very serious and they do not take kindly to you messing up their numbers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the census is a really good snapshot of just one night, isn't it? (laughs) Just just one night in time. One night in Tara. (laughs) (laughs) Now, many of these... 2,346 people on the census were farmers and worked the soils of the northeast to support themselves and their families, and indeed the belly of Britain. Scotland depended on its farmers to be fed. And Robert Pattinson was one of these farmers. Born in 1867, he was raised in a family of adopted vampires. Wait, what? Oh, wrong Arpats. Our Robert was raised in a family of seven children and grew up on his mother's dairy farm. When he was young, he would deliver milk all around the town and was a familiar face to all in the tight-knit community. He went on to become an auctioneer and valuator of cattle, so make no mistake about it, this man knew his coups. He did, and he took this knowledge with him when he and his wife, Margaret, began their own dairy farm in 1901. He farmed the land and took great care and time to improve the fertility and cultivation of the soil. 
running the dairy and the agricultural farm took hard work, and he employed many local men to keep it all running. However, in 1911, national insurance was introduced by the Welsh Chancellor of the Exchequer, David Lloyd George. National insurance is a really important cornerstone of social welfare. It was a compulsory tax for employers and workers, which essentially meant that the nation could access both health benefits and unemployment benefits. Also, it's the earliest introduction of national maternity benefits in Britain for insured women. So, in general, it's a really good piece of legislation. However, national insurance was not very popular in rural parts of Scotland, was it? No, it really was not. The locals understood that this system wouldn't work for rural Scotland, mostly because a lot of communities didn't have access to medical help, whether they paid the tax or not. But rural folks also felt that they shouldn't have to pay the tax because it had been designed for people working in industrial cities. Rural farmers and farm workers were less likely to be off work because of illness or be unemployed. They were resentful of a system they felt didn't fit their requirements, and so they protested this new tax. And at the heart of these protests is a superbly beautiful cow. Yes. Our story begins with Robert Patterson refusing to pay national insurance. And the surreal story that unravels from this small act of defiance ends up including his whole community and becoming national news. Most importantly, though, it introduces into our hearts and histories one of the most splendid cows of all time, the Taraku. Let's move along with this story. <laughs> so, our tale begins in 1913 with Robert Patterson protesting this national insurance tax for the men he employs on his farm. He feels that this tax isn't relevant to his workers' needs. And he's not alone. His feelings are echoed across the community of Tariff, many of whom are against this new tax. So what happens next? Well, unfortunately for Robert, due to his refusal to pay, he gets into debt with the taxman. Ah, the most dangerous of all debts. Even worse than that of the debt of the devil. Well, maybe not. That's that's a bit intense. Well, it depends on the devil's mood, I guess. <laughs> so how much did Robert Patterson owe in taxes? Big money, Annie. Big money. He was sentenced to pay a fine of £15, as well as his arrears to the national insurance of £3, 9 shillings and 10 pence. But this was a protest for old Robbie Patterson, and he had every intention of standing by his principles. But, as he was a good, law-abiding, hard-working man, he did pay the £15 fine. However, he refused to pay the £3, 19 shillings and 10 pence national insurance. And this £3, 19 shillings and 10 pence was about to start a riot. Wow. Well, nowadays, Jenny, £3, 19 shillings and 10, 10 pence <laughs> doesn't seem like a massive amount of money. Uh, because we went metric? <laughs> no. <laughs> so let's round this up to, say, £4, which nowadays is as much as you would spend on maybe a pint of beer. A nice pint of beer. A fancy pint of beer. Look at you, Black Isle Brewery. <laughs> <laughs> 
They did a great beer and pizza if you're in town. <laughs> but you're paying four quid for a pint. <laughs> you can get a cow for that back in the day. <laughs> in my days, we could get... Yeah. Anyway. Is it beer that comes out of that cow? <laughs> anyway, four pounds back in 1913 would have been worth about 450 in today's money. Oh, wow. Okay. And so... The court sent a bailiff to Robert Patterson's farm to demand this three pound nineteen shillings and ten pence. Hello, are you Mr. Robert Patterson? You are, eh? Grand. Fan of the, you a fan of the Twilight franchise? No. Strange. I thought that would be right up your farm track. Well, uh, what a what a farm you have here. Seems to be. Uh, no much of anything, no any worth, actually. But, uh, well, you people with Tara certainly have character, eh? That's no worth much to us, though, either. What's that in your pocket there? Oh, it's, uh, it's a fistful of resistance. Well, <laughs> hmm, that's no worth anything to us either. In fact, that'll cost you. <laughs> that's a fine moustache you have there, Mr. R. Pats. Good coverage, nice and thick. Strong lip-to-hair ratio. Could be worth a pretty penny to a wig maker. But I may be hard to part you from it. Aha! That! There! That coup! That's a fine beast. We'll be taking that to fund the nation's health. Give all the wains the milk they need in the wards. That's actually exactly how it went down. He wrote it in his diary that night. Dear diary. I always regret showing Jenny <laughs> photographs from historical sources because she inevitably focuses on the mustaches of men. They just we just we just don't grow them like we used to. The bailiffs left Robert's mustache, <laughs> but they took his beautiful milk coup. Now I have a picture of the captive coup here, Jenny. Please could you describe her for the listeners? Oh wow. This is this is a majestic cow. A beautiful, sleek white coat. Not a blemish on it. It's, 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 it's so perfect. It's like if you stumbled upon a fairy pool in a glistening forest glen and parched, you bend to take a sip of the crystal clear and perfectly cool water. And as you drink, you feel the energy of the forest flow through you and rejuvenated, you look up and see this glowing white spirit goo emerge from the dense undergrowth on the other side of the pool and it looks at you and you look at it and the innocence and kindness in its eyes fills you with a feeling of warmth and safety that you haven't felt since the last time you encountered a fairy cow spirit in a hidden fairy glen. That's so beautiful, Jenny. Would you like a tissue? Just... <laughs> so, yes. And that was beautifully accurate, Jenny. <laughs> Thank you. Well done. This truly majestic spirit cow. Wait, no, she wasn't a spirit. She was a <laughs> she was a real, real beautiful cow. Yeah, but she had some good spirit in her. She did. She was transported to the market square in Tariff on foot from Robert Patterson's farm. Although some people say she glided there. Yes, she <laughs> she did have a certain grace in the way that she walked. And in the square, the bailiffs tied her up, ready to be sold at auction. However, some of the locals recognised this spectacularly stunning cow tied up in the square as Robert Patterson's. So they snuck up to her and used her as a political placard. 
Using green paint, they painted the slogan Lendrum to Leaks on one of her sides and then wrote Another Victim on the other side, a classic and poignant political slogan about the importance of vegetables. No, Jenny. <laughs> so Lendrum to Leaks was really just a dig at David Lloyd George, mm. who had brought in the national insurance legislation and also happened to be Welsh. I see. And of course, the national emblem of Wales is the leek. Mm -hmm. And so that was how they attacked David Lloyd George. I like it. Through his favourite vegetable. And you know that's where it's going to hurt him. <laughs> right in his five a day. <laughs> And the people of Tariff saw this cow as another victim of taxes being too high. Mm. So the slogan is another act of defiance. And according to the Aberdeen Daily Journal in December 1913, the defiance did not end here. It will be remembered that there was an extraordinary scene of excitement at Tariff that day. A large crowd of farmers and farm servants demonstrating in a fashion somewhat unwelcome to the police against the sale of the cow and in support of Mr Patterson in resisting the operations of the National Insurance Act. Now, the demonstration that was described as somewhat unwelcome to the police was more like a riot in the town centre. Mm. The local folk were really angry and furious at the audacity of the sheriffs to try and sell this splendid cow in their town centre. How very dare they! And it's interesting that it was fellow farmers and farm workers who came out to protest. It was the people who held the same ideas and principles about national insurance as Robert Patterson. Now, there was an unfortunate vegetable patch nearby, and the crowd pulled them up by the roots and used them to chuck at the police constables in attendance. Five a day keeps the tax man away. <laughs> also, rotten fruit was thrown along with bags of soot and even fireworks were set off. Gosh, can you imagine how unpredictable a 1913 firework would be? I'd be rioting to get them safety tested. <laughs> well, the marketplace incident clearly ended with a big bang. Aye. When... Amongst the confusion and noise, the Tavaku herself was frightened. She was never a fan of bonfire night, <laughs> and so she escaped and charged away down the street. There's a coup loose around this too. No. <laughs> the Tavaku was found by a local lad on his bike, who led her back to Landrum. Here, the bailiffs took her away again, this time far from her home pastures of Tariff. But eight of the farmers involved in the riot, including Robert Patterson himself, were charged with breach of the peace and enforcement of a sheriff officer for the actions taken in nuisancing the cow auctioning authorities. And the media sensation caused by this cow flop meant that none of the local auction houses would consent in selling the divine Turaku. They didn't want a suit-throwing farmer mob to descend on them. The poor Turaku was in limbo. She needed to be sold so that the government could get its national insurance payments, but no one was willing to sell her. We will find out what happens to the Turaku. But first, we must hear about the trial of the people accused of breaching the peace. Let's meet the cow hustlers. Woo! Moo! <laughs> Don't milk it, Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> 
let's imagine Aberdeen Sheriff Court absolutely filled with farmers out to relive the glory of the Taraku protest. Turf White Cow Rioting. Eight accused tried on serious charges at Aberdeen. <clears throat> you are charged that you did on 9th December in Market Square of Tariff and in concert with each other and with a large and disorderly crowd prevent the sale of a cow. On the day of the incident, was the crowd showing signs of amusement or of anger and irritation? Um, well, they were hooting and, uh, and they were booing and they were excited in that. And in your view, what caused the cow to run? Yeah, well, it was that dodgy firework. Uh, also, someone cut the rope. That probably had something to do with it. There was no demonstration at all until after the cow had run away and was making her way down the square? Uh, well, well, some firecrackers were put off and the, the crowd were hooting and booing. Whenever the cow appeared, the, the crowd began to shout. Now, importantly... Was there cheering and harangue? Oh, well, there might have been cheering, aye. Was it true that those ahead of the cow were trying to get clear in case the cow charged? Eh, no, no, she was a very quiet coo. She can tell the difference between a taxman and a farmer, you see. When was the rope cut? Oh, I didn't see when the rope was cut. Was it not the case that there was a great deal of harangue by people who were there enjoying the sport? Yes, yeah, that was the case, yes. And did this frighten the cow? Oh, well, there's no question that the coo was frightened by the general commotion, yeah. Did any small firework go off near her tail? Um, oof, can you tell? Did a big rocket go off after the cow left the square? Uh, either at that time or immediately after that time. Were the crowd there for the purpose of making fun of the law and bringing it into contempt? The witness can't speak to that. How could he? Was Robert Patterson heard saying anything suspicious? Uh, well, he did say that if the coo had happened to wander back to Lendrum Farm, uh, that he would feed her with all the other coos. Also that he was thirsting for blood. <laughs> <laughs> Now, he did not say that he was thirsting for blood. Well, you weren't there, so you didn't know, do you? <laughs> but everything else that we've just read was actually said in the Tamaku trial. Mm. Other statements told us that. The crowd howled like lunatics with a hostile attitude. The crowd were chanting that the authorities would learn best to bide at home than come out and sell goos. They prodded the cow on with a walking stick, but no witness could identify the walking stick. However, it was highlighted that no windows were broken and not a hat was knocked off a head. The most dangerous act, let me, t let me tell you, right, the most dangerous act was an egg. It was an egg in the eye. And whenever the egg in the eye was mentioned, <laughs> the whole court burst out laughing. You can tell it was him that got the egg in the eye and he is still bitter about that. <laughs> the newspaper reporting it seemed really gleeful. To mention whenever the whole court burst out laughing. <laughs> oh, I'd love to have been there. <laughs> but all men denied any damage or involvement in criminal activity. And because the case was so strange, and possibly because there were quite so many farmers in the gallery, the defendants were given the sentences of not proven. Woo! As there was a lack of evidence... <laughs> 
which is almost as good as innocent. So not proven in Scots law is really an acquittal, just like not guilty, whilst subtly suggesting that the defendant could possibly be a little bit guilty. <laughs> just a tad guilty. <laughs> they. You're no utterly innocent. <laughs> <laughs> they just can't really tell what has happened because there was such a big crowd and, of course, a runaway cow. But it means that our man, Robert Patterson, and all of his pals can keep their good reputations. Yay! Now, we know that the real star of this story is the cow. What happened to her? Well, unfortunately, the ordeal for our beloved Taraku was not over. The local auctions all rejected her as they didn't want a riot of their own. So, she had a police escort into the bright lights and big city of Aberdeen. But even here, everyone knew of the famous Taraku. They did, but there was one auction house who would accept the Taraku, and so she was sold to the highest bidder, who just so happened to be... Some chap who wanted a cow, actually. But uh, <laughs> but then, all of Rob's pals convinced this chap to sell them the cow, and he made a fine profit on it. They all chipped in and bought back his coo for him. How great is that, Annie? The final thrown vegetable to the tax man in the national insurance tax. Yes, the Tavaku was returned with much fanfare and glee by the locals. And someone had even updated the signage painted on her. Free! Didn't you wish you were me? Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! You made our cow sound a little bit smug there, Jenny. <laughs> she is smug. <laughs> yeah, she's a proud cow. And there were huge crowds awaiting her arrival, as well as photographers and a flower show in the park. One witness, a Mr. Kennethmunt, said... Oh, I bicycled into Turriff from my home at Montblairie to see the presentation. All that I saw of the fit coo was her head and the flowers that adorned her horns. Oh, she also had a garland of flowers around her neck. So, after the celebration, Kayleigh was all over and the coo was back in her mystical glen slash muddy field, what came from this one protest which captured the headlines and the hearts of the nation? Well, unfortunately, Jenny, not very much at all. Because as you and I know, national insurance is still universally paid across the UK. Mm -hmm. And this goes to our very important and precious national health services, pensions and maternity cover. But the Taraku protest did help highlight the different requirements of the rural community, which is a really good thing. Also... The government was already putting in place some positive responses to the lack of healthcare provisions in the Highlands and some parts of rural Scotland. Um, an example of this would be the Highlands and Islands Medical Service, launched in 1913. Now, this supported Highland communities and distributed more medical professionals across parts of rural Scotland even getting a nurse out to the remote island of St Kilda. Ah, so we see here one man's protest against the entire British government bringing about 
quite predictably, minimal change for him and his community. But his one small act of defiance resonated with all those who felt forgotten and forced into a system which wasn't built for them. Through their community action, unrest and one majestic cow, the concerns of rural healthcare were amplified across the nation. Yes, I really love the story of the Tavaku, partly because I'm really interested in the history of rights and protest. And I think the Tavaku demonstration is comparable to when we discussed the radical war. This is because the demonstration itself didn't bring about any immediate change. However, it raised the voices of a collective to bring about a broader awareness of the issues that they were facing, and it did eventually lead to systematic change. And ultimately, this national insurance that we pay is for our National Health Service, our NHS, which is by far one of the most important and treasured institutions that we have. I completely agree with you. And what we learn from the history of protests is that the good guys are those that tend to fall on the side of progression. So if we need to paint anything on chaos nowadays, it has to be protect the NHS. Or Robert Patterson's a vampire, hide your kids. He's not a vampire, he's a long dead farmer, Jenny. (laughs) That's the thing with vampires, Annie. They never die. (laughs) He went on to become one of the biggest names in Hollywood. You know, Robert Patterson isn't even a vampire. That's Edward Cullen. Before we go, what ultimately became of our splendid Taraku? The Taraku lived a long and happy life. She even went on to have a family of her (gasps) own. She... Did she get maternity cover for that? (laughs) (laughs) Maternity cover. (laughs) She ate the delicious grass and clovers of Aberdeenshire and generally had a stress-free, happy cow existence. Aw, that makes me over the moon. (laughs) Why did the Tavakai jump over the moon? To avoid national insurance tax? Yes! And then, after the Taraku crossed the Rainbow Bridge and was looking down on Tariff from Cal Heaven, in 1971, a commemorative cairn was erected for her. <laughs> and then, in 2010, they built a statue of her in the town centre. Yes! Annie, we have got to go and visit this. And there's also some brilliant Taraku memorabilia out there and some wonderful poetry dedicated to her such as this one, by T.L. Morrison, who lived in Inverurie and wrote in 1914... O Taraku, O Taraku, your like we never saw. Thy name, Monny Men, well kint the law. Your fame has spread, fe po, te po. Ye are fair Tara's pride. There ne'er was sick wheel kent coo in all the countryside. Oh. Taraku, on Lendrum's braes in summer days, ye pulled the grass green. But since that time, on Tara Square, ye rowdy sights seen, and thy white bide born names sarcastic we'll allow, and they're engraven on our minds, and on the sheriffs too. O oh, Taraku, 
We stood around you on the square the day they tried the sail. You took notion in your heed and fairly turned tail. And Drachlaw, oh, I see him yet, a rocket in his horn. He cried, boo-hoo, and after you, we all his micht he ran. Oh, Taraku. The sequel to this tale was heard in Aberdeen. Not proven was the verdict, and there's bonnets there on the green. Lang may ye roam, O your new hame, amidst clovery pastures too, for nothing in the bovine race ever matched you. Taraku. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Stories of Scotland, and thank you to our new patrons as well, who have signed up to support us on our Patreon, Ariel and Catherine. If you'd also like to support us, then you can head over to patreon.com slash stories of Scotland. Annie and I will be taking a break from Stories of Scotland for a few weeks, as we are working on a really exciting big project for you all. And to ensure we can make this project as majestic as possible, we'll be putting all our energy towards that. Well, almost all of it. We will be adding some new content to our Patreon for those of you who have subscribed. So if you'd like to keep hearing our lovely-ish voices in your ears, <laughs> then please do sign up to get access to more content. You can also support us by leaving us a wee review wherever you listen to your podcasts and follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter to keep up with our big project and other bits and bobs as we go along. The reviews are my favourite point of the day. I absolutely love reading them when mm. they come in and they just, oh, they make doing this worthwhile. They do. And we've had some top quality ones. You guys give really thorough reviews. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> we appreciate it. Slangeva. Slangeva. Great bit of improv. Thank me. <laughs> Pulled the other one. <laughs> You're here for a laugh. <laughs>